take your Bible, if you would please. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 is where we'll start this morning. Think about our song, our theme song. We've sung this week. I've been thinking about a whole lot. Brother Phil and his wife Mary served faithfully in primarily one ministry for many, many years. One of the reasons the Lord does not give us our rewards immediately when we pass is because there's still lives that we've affected, that people have come to know Christ as Savior. I don't remember, Brother Bliss, how many years it was. Was it not over 40 years that Phil and Mary served? Were they that, was it that long at Liberty? Mary played the piano, uh, and Brother Phil was in leadership. And you think the truth of the song that we've adopted this year, uh, everything Mary could do for the Lord, she's already done. And you just think about you and I still can do something for the Lord, and we ought to invest. Acts chapter 1, if you'll stand please together. We're going to turn to two passages this morning and read them in unison together. Acts chapter 1, would you read verse number 7 and 8 together please? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now go back to the near back of the New Testament book of Philippians. Philippians, if we'll turn there together, chapter 2. Philippians chapter number 2, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians chapter number 2. We'll give you just a little bit of time. I'll begin reading verse 12. Please join me in verse number 13 and every other verse until we close together verse 16. Ephesians 2.12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not, in, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that she may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Read verse 16 together, please. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. This is the last uh, lesson on Sunday morning in the short series we've had, The Essentials of the Christian Life or Christian Faith. I want to talk to you about the value of the Christian life. So you're saved and you're on your way to heaven. What's the value of Christ saving us? What should it look like? We'll look at that this morning. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Father, help us this morning. Thank you, as Brother uh, Levi said, we do thank you that Tamara is here today. You've touched her and healed her. She's still recoup uh, recuperating. Sure. Good to see Mike here today as well. And Father, thank you for others that uh, are back here today, and you strengthened them as well. Now, Father, I pray that you would arrest our attention for the next little while. I pray you'd help us to look into your word, and may the eternal word of God, inerrant, inspired, infallible, speak to our hearts. May we be led by your Spirit. Help us to understand we're saved for a purpose and for a reason. And I pray that we would adopt that purpose and that reason that you've saved us for. Speak to our hearts today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
James says, draw nigh to God, and he will what? Draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Uh, somebody said it this way. We are as close to God as we've intended to be. All right, so we can do that. It's a blessing. Before Philippians chapter, or Acts chapter 1, if we go back there, it is a blessing to see some of our uh, folks return. Brother Kevin and Luann are back uh, for a long, and they have their son, Jason, and are with them here. Brother Miss Van Dyne, I can tell you, we prayed for you. We missed you. Good to have you home. Uh, and it's good to see uh, Travis and Eva Moore home. Well, I, we say it's home. I know they're from Louisiana, but we prayed for you, Travis and Eva, and we missed you. Good to have you here. Acts chapter number one, the essentials of the Christian life. We uh, dealt on this several, started several weeks ago. This morning, we'll close out this short series uh, please understand that by no means can we or were we exhaustive in examining what the Christian life uh, should look like. But let's go back and review just a moment so we can put together as we end this sermon series on Sunday morning. We looked at the first week at the nature of the Christian life. Remember that we said that if we are to do what God called us to do, that we'll pick up the passion and the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ. His passion was to do the will of His Father. I ask you this this morning, child of God. Since you've been saved, do you want to obey your heavenly Father? All right? Somebody said it this way. We gave this to our staff this week in pastor devotion. Some people want to spend eternity with the Lord. They just don't want to spend any time with Him. Uh, we think about that. I, I want to be saved. I don't want to go to hell. Nobody in their right mind would. But we're saved to pick up the passion of Christ and the purpose of Christ. Luke 19.10 speaks about the reason for which the Son of Man came. 
For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. And that should be our passion as well. But we ended the first week by saying this. If we pick up his passion and we pick up his purpose, we will also pick up his suffering. The world never has, never will. Enjoy Christian people. We looked at the second week this, the sustenance of the Christian life based on John 15. We must feed on him. We've said this, and Brother Bliss brought a great message last Sunday night. Just really encourage you to get it if you weren't here. And, but he, he talked about this as well. We say this oftentimes that if you come, and you come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you might even come during the, you might come to Friday, uh, uh, Sunday night at 5 o'clock for Brother Bill's class, and you might come Friday uh, for RU. Get involved with everything Rocky Mountain has. It has. You'll starve to death spiritually unless you're in the Word of God and walking with Him on a regular basis. It's sustenance. We must feed on Christ. We looked at this, the expression. Christ, we looked at three different ways that the expression of the Christian life we looked at Christ's expression towards man. Towards man, he was sincere and sympathetic uh, towards man, and he, he involved in service. Can I say this to you? You think about this, I'm going to wrap a little gift and bring it to a bus child. That's service. You ladies, and I don't know who you are this week, if you'll make a, a side or you'll make a dish so we can serve a grieving family that service and towards man were not only to be sincere and sympathetic, but also in service. But towards God, we looked at this. He was in communion, cooperation, and had confidence uh, in his heavenly Father. And then towards Satan, it was one of antipathy. He hated evil. Therefore, thou had you been anointed with the oil of gladness because you loved righteousness and hated iniquity. We look at this in number four, it's consciousness. We must constantly think on Him. When you leave and you go to work tomorrow, think on Jesus. Think on the things of your faith. We looked at last week, it's testing. We understood this, we will all be tested. Can I tell you this? Brother Wolford's been through some testing. I know Wally and Rebecca, recently you've been through some testing. Phil and Mary Beth, and, and I think about Lucy, you and Jim and Mike and Michelle and and I think about uh, Bill and LaVey and on and on and on, Brother and Mrs. Duncan. And many of you have gone through some of the really difficult, Brother Paul, you and your wife Nancy. You're being tested. All right? Is that normal Christian life? Yes. We said this. We're all going to be tested, but none of us needs to fall under temptation or testing. We don't need to. All right? Now let's go into this morning's message, its value. What is the value of the Christian life? I'm going to make a statement. We're going to back up with Scripture here in just a moment. No creation of God fulfills its highest exercise of being without realizing why and for what purpose it was given life. Your life was given to you by God for a purpose. He not only gave you physical life, if you're in this room and you're saved... He gave you spiritual life, and He gave it to you for a purpose, and no creation fulfills its highest being or exercise being without reason why. Everything God created from a flower to an archangel is created for a specific purpose, and that's you, and that's me. 
We are saved to serve the purposes of God, and we will never be happy or fulfilled until we learn the pur- what that purpose is. It is possible for us to fulfill the purpose of God in your life. I remember when the call of God came on my life and young 13-year-old boy and I was scared to death and still am to this day to think about the plan and purpose of God for my life. But can I tell you this? Maybe you're in this room and God is moving you a particular purpose. Can I say this to you? You can and you should fulfill the purpose of God for your life. We're not simply to be saved. You and I are saved to serve. We say this often, every saint is a servant, every member is a minister. Staff got away for a couple of days to plan and pray and, and, and dedicate ourselves back to God and, and make the new year 2020 meaningful to this work and ministry. Can I say this to you? This is not my church. This is not my entity. I have the wonderful privilege of pastoring this great work, and I love you and care about you, but the truth of the matter is we need to find out what God wants us to do and plug into it. We went to Beulah. I don't know Beulah well. Found a wonderful little retreat there that we could go. Just it was unbelievable. One night, and Brother Josh set this all up, there was, I I don't know Beulah, but uh, uh, according to what they tell me, it's the only restaurant opened in Beulah after 6 o'clock. Went to that little restaurant. On the way back, we drove by the First Baptist Church of Beulah. Is First Baptist Church of Beulah? And I looked at that little church, and I said to Kathy and Karen and I were riding together, Brother Patrick used to pastor there. And Brother Bill told us this morning in men's prayer. Matter of fact, he started that little church. Can I say this to you? And I understand this, Brother Bill, for you and Mary Beth, and we get this from George and Fern all the time, and Phil and Mary, and, and some of you, you've served God and you've served Him faithfully, but now your body will not allow you to do what you once did. But some of us don't have that excuse, and you and I are saved to serve. We're not saved just to sit in a pew or sit in a chair. One of the things is we lined out some things we believe that God wants us to do. As a staff, we looked on the other side and we said, we can't possibly do everything we put on the church calendar. And can I say this to you? And I believe this as pastor, and as pastor, I reminded them, God has brought some gracious, wonderful people to our ministry, and they can serve in areas that we cannot serve. And so allow them, invite them in, bring them alongside so they can find a place of service. Colossians chapter 1 If you go there with me in your Bible, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter number 1. How is he doing that? Where is he doing that from? How did that verse come up on the screen? Who's doing that? Huh? All right. Whatever. All right. Watch this. Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us to be meet partakers of the inheritance of saints in light. Colossians 1. But watch it. It goes on further. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. I ask you this this morning. Are you saved and has he delivered you from the power of darkness? Some of you used to sit on a bar stool and, and you wasted your money on, what the, on the devil's drink. Some of you did drugs and, and God delivered you from that. Praise be to his name 
but it goes further and hath translated us in the kingdom of his dear son. Verse number 14 speaks this way, if you would, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. A church can't get your forgiveness of your sin. The waters of baptism can't bring you forgiveness of sin. Good works can't bring you forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness of sin was paid for by Christ's work on Calvary's cross. He, he bled, he died, and when he gave up the ghost, he said, it is finished. He's saying this, the way for man to be redeemed, the sin of mankind can now be lifted. But look at this. So the beginning of this book, the beginning of the book of Colossians, deals primarily with the glory of Christ. In these passages, we see the creator, God himself. He has given life to everything, and he's given life for that purpose. Can I say this to you? I'm not faulting our young people. But we have lied to them in the education process. A lot of times I think mom and dad, the home has lied to them. Sometimes even the church has lied to them. We make them feel like it's all about you. Can I tell young people, I love you today, today, but it's not all about you. And you're not going to figure out what life is about till you find out, quit Quit drawing that circle around yourself. Somebody hurt my feelings. Somebody did me wrong. Get over it. It's not all about you. We got a bunch of, we got a bunch of millennial snowflakes. Somebody hurt my feelings. Get in line. Can I say this to you? Can I say this as we bring this message together? Can I say that you and I and our young people today in America, the highest suicide rate in America today is young people between the age of 15 and 25. Why? They can't answer these questions. Who am I? Higher education cannot answer that. Who am I? Where did I come from? You did not evolve. You did not come from an ape or for a monkey or protoplasm. You came, I think about this, you and I were given life by God himself. And God does some of his greatest work in the womb. Jeremiah said, before I formed thee, in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1, 5 through 7, before I formed thee, if you know that verse, where does the Bible say he formed Jeremiah? In the womb. I ordained thee, I sanctify and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Ladies, can I hear this? And I pray that one thing if we do in this congregation, we help our young ladies understand that that little baby, when God gives you and your husband and, and blesses your union with a, with a little baby, that little baby is God's gift to you. Who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? Death does not end it. Separate from a, a beast, an animal. When they die, they're gone. But you and I are eternal. Go back in Genesis chapter 2. If you were to read verses number 5 through 7, it speaks something like this. And God formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils. What did he breathe into his nostrils? The breath of life. He didn't do that for a cow. He didn't do it for a sheep or an oxen or a dog or a cat. But he breathed into, Adam's, into Adam the breath of life. And the Bible says, and man became a 
living, that word in the Old Testament means this, an eternal being, you're going to spend eternity somewhere in a place called heaven or a place called hell. There's no place in between. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? What am I here for? Only Christianity can answer these questions. Secularism cannot answer it. Humanism cannot answer it. Materialism cannot answer it. You weren't here to build a bigger house and a bigger barn and get more money in the bank. I want you to get out of debt. And we're going to teach you. We've done it. And God bless Brother Miller that's helped us with this. But the truth of the matter, we didn't come and God didn't save us simply that we might get wealthier and wealthier and wealthier and wealthier. He saved us to serve. Materialism cannot answer. Can I ask you this? Did Steve Jobs die happy? Agnostic. He was an atheist, defied God. Had everything you think you need to make you happy, and he died without Christ. He spit in the face of the God who loved him and sent his son to die for him. He didn't die happy. Do you believe that Bill Gates is happy? Do you believe that the millionaires, I'm not saying they're unhappy because they have money. I'm just saying that they learn a hard lesson. Materialism will not bring you fulfillment and happiness because it's not why we were created. So let's look in the text here. Only Christianity can meet that, can find that happiness. We say this, every Christian by being a Christian is executing the power of God to accomplish his purposes. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, as Christ commissions his disciples, he says something to them that we ought to be, remind ourselves of today. In Matthew 28, in verse number 19 and 20, he says this uh, to his disciples before he sends to heaven as Jesus spake. And said unto them, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Is he stingy with that power? We said this, we started the services about how much you love to go and tell somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that when you do tell somebody, you don't have to tell them in your power? All power is given unto me. Now look at verse number 19. In heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. So let's combine all of the lessons from the weeks prior and dip into today. When we get saved, we, are, we have the nature of Christ in us. We pick up His passion and His purpose. We have the consciousness of God in us. We think on Him. We have the sustenance of Christ. We feed on Him. And when we are tested because of the life of Christ, we understand that that testing has great value. Now follow me. The Christian life then, first and foremost, is a testimony to the value and reality of spiritual things. The world around us tells us this, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. There's nothing that in life other than what you see, what's tangible, you can t taste, touch, feel, smell. But the Christian life is here. A Christian is more, than, more sure of God than he is of men. True or false? If you got it figured out, somebody who thought was your friend turned on you is not your friend. A faithful mate left your side. You just thought that day would never come. A faithful pastor let you down. 
Can I say this to you? God will never let you down. He'll never lead your, leave your side. As Christians, we're more sure of God than we are of man. But go further than that. Not only are we more sure of God than we are men, we are more sure of eternity than we are time. I didn't get to be there in the last couple days for Mary. And so many Christians, I think about this, we had a last hour or so to spend with her on Saturday, but she was still seated in a chair. and She was struggling. She was hooked up to oxygen. And she, was, she didn't have a good night. I wasn't there when they laid her in a bed, and she went unconscious. I don't know. But I can tell you this. As I looked at that dear sweet lady and understand that in a few short hours or a few short days, she's going to slip out into eternity. I can stand before you, not because... Because I, I don't know it's true. On the authority of the word of God, I can tell you I'm more sure of eternity than I am time. We're more sure of God than we are man. We're more sure of eternity than we are time. But follow me. What is this Christian like to look at? And it's exactly opposite in the world around us. The world around us seems to be more sure of time than eternity. Don't bother me. Don't wake me up. I'm having a good time. They don't want to talk to you about eternity. They're more sure of time than they are eternity. They're more sure of man than they are God. And they're more sure of the material than they are the spiritual. But the Christian life is a witness among these material things or the reality of spiritual things. I ask you this. Now, some of you are brought up in church. Are you solid in the things of your faith? Is heaven a real place? Are we going to go there? If you're saved, will we answer to God for what we did, our service on the earth? Is that true or is it false? Is there a terrible place called hell that we need to warn men and women, boys and girls, you don't want to go there? Is that true or is that false? We are more sure of that than we are our very life here. Look in your Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to put these up on the screen for a reason. We are to show Christ to this world. This man, this Christian man that lives more sure of God than man, more sure of eternity than time. This man has his feet planted on earth, but his mind in heaven. I'm not saying he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. He still gets up and goes to work. He provides for his family. But I'm saying this, this man has his feet, or this woman has her feet planted on earth, but their mind on eternity every day, several times a day. Since Mary passed, the Holy Spirit speaks to me, preacher, you better be about my business because your time's just like that. And I don't know how soon. Hebrews chapter 11, now look at these. These are giants of the faith in Scripture and down through the ages. They fought, they suffered, they bled, they died, they acted. And behind everything they did was a consciousness of God and the understanding of the eternal life. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For it by the elders, these are some of those giants in the faith, obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Is that true? Or is what our kids learn in evolution, is that true? Child of God, is, it tr is evolution true or false? false? That the worlds were framed by the word of God, so the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. 
By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Here's some of the giants in the faith in Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, uh, righteous, uh, uh, his righteousness, God testifying to the gifts by it being dead yet speak. Now watch it. You can flip through there and say Enoch, and it'll talk about Sarah, and it'll talk about Abraham, and it'll talk about these men. I would say, by faith, by faith, by faith. What's it mean by faith? It means I've got my feet planted on earth, but my mind and my conscience is a Godward. I'm more convinced of God than I am man. I'm more convinced of eternity than I am time. I'm more convinced of the spiritual than I am the material. I ask you this this morning. Is that you? Because that's the Christian life. William Booth, who started the Salvation Army, Overheard the conversation before prohibition was lifted of three businessmen together, and they talked about this. When prohibition lifts, we're going to flood our hometown. We're going to flood this area with liquor, and we're going to make money. And William Booth could not sit there while they was hearing this, and he stood up, and I will tell you what he said. Listen to what he said. You men think nothing of ruined lives and broken hearts and homes degraded and, and homes, the degraded women and blighted children and souls sent out into a Christless eternity. William Booth said, I can't stand by. I'm going to stand up. Those men responded, but sir, we have, we must live and make a living. Listen to what Booth says. And then he, they said, we have no other means of livelihood to which Booth responded, my dear sir, there is no necessity that you should live at all. The one thing necessary is that you should be pure while you live and keep that purity until you die and then pray you meet a, a righteous Savior. Amen. See, we don't want to rock the boat, do we? I know this is not a typical Sunday morning message. We want to be PC correct. Can I say this to you? When we name out our faith and live out our faith, it's going to be just like Booth. We've got to stand up sometime. And he's asking us to do that. Somebody said it this way, all that is necessary for evil to triumph is what? Who said that? Good men do nothing. Thank you, June. That's all that's necessary. I look at this and I, and I listen, and I know some of you are here today, and you downplay and you, you demean and you say, Pueblo's a horrible place and a stinky town. And Can I tell you this? Why is it? Rocky Mountain Baptist Church has been in Pueblo for now almost 22 years. Is Pueblo a better place because we existed? Is your neighborhood a better place because Christ saved you? Because that's the Christian life. It bothers me every time I drive past a marijuana place. Something inside of me just kind of boils. And another one, and another one, and another one, and another one. And our city fathers think, and they watch it, they got the cash cow. And we as God's people just sit back and yawn. I'm going to go to church on Sunday. Satan is playing for keeps, is he? Shouldn't we be? Evil is never necessary, and under no circumstances should it be chosen. Death is preferable to wrongdoing for the child of God. The value of Christian life is that it alone bears unequivocal and uncompromising testimony against sin. 
Look at Romans chapter 5, and you, if you can turn down some, it would be up on the screen. Chapter 5 and verse number 20, the Christian life bears testimony of the possibility of victory over sin. Moreover, verse 20 of chapter 5 says, The law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. If you're saved today, you got saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. And to say this, preacher, there's still some areas in my life that God hasn't cleaned up yet. That's all of us. But can I say this to you? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Christian life bears testimony to the fact that only God can give man what he lost in the fall. Go back with me in your mind to Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. And it talked about how Satan tempted Adam, uh, Eve first. And Eve partook. Now watch this. What did they lose in the garden? After they failed, God came down. He knew what was done and he came down. Where Adam used to joyfully look forward to that time when God and man were working together and walking together. Adam hid them and hid himself. He sowed fig leaves. We lost our fellowship with God. We lost our ability of purity and innocency. And can I tell you this? The Christian life bears testimony that only God can give back a man what he lost in the fall. What did you lose and what did I lose? Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of Sin is death. Romans 5.12 says, For wherefore is by one man sin into the world, Adam, and death by sin. So death passed upon death, eternal separation from God, passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We lost that standing with God. All men born in the world today are born with fires inside of them that will propel them away from God and the things of God. You were born with them and I was born with them. You follow those natural desires and they'll propel you against all the things of God and the things of spiritual life. And if you, if you move to those, the only way for these fires to be quenched is through the new birth in Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul said, Christ in you, the hope of... Now watch, I know some of our young people are saying, Preacher, boy, this sounds kind of old-fashioned. And if I get saved, the Lord will take all my enjoyment away. Not true. Can I say this to you? You may have to give up. You won't have to give anything up. You might be listening to some of the devil's music, and you get saved, and you don't know why, but it doesn't appeal to you anymore. Huh? He doesn't take away your music. Music will be in heaven. We'll talk about that tonight. He doesn't take away your ability. Not only you think about that about music, and he doesn't take that away. He doesn't take away the sexual desires. But what he tells us is this: I'm going to bless it inside the bounds of marriage. And if a Christian man and a Christian woman get together, then the Bible says the marriage bed is honorable and undefiled. Amen. The world, Hollywood's got it wrong. They can't keep a marriage together, and they're into and out of a relationship. When each other kind of says to you, the devil lies to our young people. In Christ, he enhances all that we have and that we have to enjoy. The Christian is one who has the life of Christ in his heart, is delivered from evil, and is instead brought into cooperation with the divine nature. We are called to be salt and light. We are to stand against evil and corruption preventing, purifying the spread of corruption. And that starts in Pueblo, Colorado. 
We don't want to stand, do we? It's too easy to go with the flow. The answer to today to a decaying society is more Christians that truly live out the Christian faith as salt and light. What does salt do? It purifies. It purifies. What does light do? It illuminates. I believe Christian people ought to be involved in city council. I believe Christian people ought to, ought to be involved in ministering to our local politicians. I believe Christians ought to be involved in just about everything. Why? To show forth light and to illuminate and to purify. An avowed atheist years gone by was speaking publicly. And G. Campbell Morgan was in that crowd. As this atheist spoke publicly, he said this. The human will is enough to conquer all vices of the human nature. Is that true or false? It's false. You and I can't conquer what's destroying us. But this atheist said the human nature, human will is uh, enough to conquer all vices in human nature. The man who invented gas has done more for the human race than all Christians combined. And G. Campbell Morgan was in that crowd. And he stood up. Listen to what he said. He said, if tomorrow I should be plunged into the sorrow of death and the end of life is approaching in this brief life, I should desire some preacher of the gospel to tell me again about the hope of heaven and the comfort and strength in Christ's grace. I suppose my friend the atheist would, under similar circumstances would rather call for the gas fitter. In America, we're being sold a bill of goods that things that will make us happy are the things of this world. And the Christian life, as we, as we conclude, look at Matthew chapter 5. There's some other verses up here. The Christian is a vindication of God in the midst of skeptical and unbelieving generation. They're all around you, aren't they? They're around where you are and where I'm at. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 7. The Bible says this. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The Christian knows God's purpose and therefore trusts his methods. Here's the conclusion. All of these wonderful things, if they're true, that we've learned in the weeks gone past. It is my desire, not as a pastor, but as a Christian, that I pick up the passions of my Savior. That I pick up the purpose of our Savior it's my desire to spend some time at His feet. It's my desire to lean on Him. It's my desire to be God-conscious. I understand that, and all of that will lead to testing. But child of God, where you go, where you shop, where you work, where you dine, where you bank, wherever you go, you are that little light, and God's saying you are both salt and light. Stand up. Live your faith. And as you live your faith, Others will see something in you that they themselves do not have. Whenever and whenever the Christian life is lived as it meant to be lived, it becomes an argument of vindication, vindicating God against all criticism of unbelief. So then Christianity is far more than salvation of the individual. It means God wants to do something in our life. Can I say this to you? Would you stand, please, with your... Just stand to your feet. There's somebody that will not be saved unless you speak to them. 
There's somebody that is looking right now. They're trying drugs. They're trying alcohol. They're trying materialism. They're trying, they got all the devil's toys. You may never get them to church. You've invited them a hundred times. Don't stop inviting them. What's the key? Key is to live like a Christian. Would you put this finger up? Right hand. Is that, what finger is that? Pointer finger, thank you. Can you sing this with me? Silly kid's little song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. One more time, watch this. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Leave this auditorium today. Leave it tomorrow. Leave it Wednesday. Leave your house. And just let it shine. And it's vindication of the power of God working in the life of somebody. I've led some people to Christ that I was around on a regular basis and they said, Gordon, you've got something I don't have. What is it? You got religion. No, it's not religion. It's Jesus. It's a relationship. Father, we come to you this morning.